Welcome to the first installment of something I've really looked forward to this whole season, to be honest. Uh, the Ghost Goal Podcast World Cup preview. We're going group by group, starting today with Group A. Uh, just going to run through the four teams in each group every single week. We'll do two uh, until the week before the competition starts. Uh, we'll do the final final two groups. We'll talk about what teams get out of each group. We'll talk about uh, whether those teams have the potential to win it all or not, which teams have the potential to maybe surprise people. Uh, but this week, we're going to focus first on Group A, obviously. Uh, group A consists of Egypt, Russia, Saudi Arabia, and Uruguay. Right off the bat, let's just go alphabetical. Egypt. It's their third World Cup appearance. Their manager is Hector Cooper, Argentine. Uh, they have a few players that uh, spring to mind. Uh, a certain Mohamed Salah uh, is well, obviously... Hold on, their best player, Mohamed Elneny. Oh, okay. okay. And uh, that, who are you people. talking about? The Salah, some guy like that or something? Mohamed Salad, I believe his name's pronounced. Uh, he, yeah, he just he broke the record. He gets a goal here and there. He broke the record uh, for uh, uh, the, Premier the shitty Aryan Robin, as Alex would always like to call him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. Right. God, oh, that, God. That was a bad look. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what we used to call him. Not anymore, huh? Let's get away from that. Because honestly, that's all people will talk about with this Egypt team uh, going into the World Cup. Right. Everyone's going to talk about Salah. They're, they're going to talk about if, 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 if Egypt are going to make a run in this World Cup. It's going to have to be on the back of Mohamed Salah. You're going to hear it's dumb American commentators like Alexi Lalas say that. And oh, that's going to God, be the I extent. can already hear it in his voice. That's going to be the extent of their analysis. But we're going to go slightly deeper. I'm not going to say we know everything about like like, like Tunisia or some team. But, you know, we're going to go a bit deeper than, uh, than the regular pundits will. Uh, so a, a couple notable players that people may recognize that I just wanted to bring people's attention to. Uh, they do have Ahmed El Mohamedi played played his trade at Hull City in the Premier League, uh, right wing back for a couple seasons. Now plays for Aston Villa. Uh, current Premier League players like Ahmed Hedghazi from West Brom, Mohamed Al Neni, as you mentioned, Ramadan Sopi, who many Egyptians think is the second coming of Mohamed Salah, which I don't think he's quite lived up to yet. And less known players like Mahmoud Trezeguet, a winger from Kasimpasa in Turkey, who's been playing pretty well this season, scored thirteen to fifteen goals. And uh, Abdallah El Said, uh, one of their most experienced center attacking midfielders who will be pulling the strings and really uh, be responsible for creating those chances that Mohamed Salah will need to feast off of. A lot of people are favoring Egypt to get out of this group. Uh, like we said before, it's Egypt, Russia, Saudi Arabia, and Uruguay, uh, simply because of the form of Mohamed Salah. But I, I, I do kind of worry for this team that... They don't really have a clear like number number one keeper. They they play a defensive counterattacking style, despite having far more better attacking options than they do defensive options. They should really be looking to feed into their uh, their attacking qualities. Where you know Hector Cooper has been manager for a year or two now, and the Egyptian fans are absolutely furious with him. They think he, they think their team is going in the complete wrong direction, and. Mm. I don't blame them to be to be honest. Like they 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 have so much quality that I, I don't see why you wouldn't look to uh, to feed into that quality and and be like a free flowing attacking side. And yeah, you'll concede goals. Yeah, you might lose a couple games here and there, but yeah, you know, it's the World Cup. You've got you got three games to really show what you can do. And if they if they sit back and try to play defensive counter attacking football against even even Russia, I worry for them. Uh, 
Javier, what like what, what what do you think the ceiling for an, a team like Egypt is for this World Cup? I mean, I think they'll be happy if they get out of this group. I think that that'll be a successful World Cup. You know, if they can get a couple of wins in this group, then... Yeah, I mean, they're in a group with one of the 10 to 15 best teams in the world in Uruguay, and then the host nation, Russia. Right. It's going to be a tough ask. They'll uh, start the group with Uruguay. That's that's a tough game to a start. Tough opening game. If they can get a draw from that, they've set themselves up perfectly. Definitely. Because they'll they'll play Russia in the second game and finish up with, frankly, the whipping boys of the group, Saudi Arabia, or what everyone expects to be the whipping boys. I agree with you. They get out of this group, and that's very impressive. But for a proud footballing nation like Egypt, who uh, who as it recently as the World Cup three times though, and it's been a long time since they were there, so they're okay. When I say proud footballing nation, they're proud like African footballing nation. They 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 ha- they did win yeah, like, their, three their fans straight are, African are pretty, Cup of pretty, Nations uh, ten years ago. Crazy for for the sport, and they're they're going to show up in droves to these games, so they'll they'll have a good support at the games. They've produced Premier League greats like Mido. You don't remember him from Middlesbrough? Mirzaki. Amir Zaki from Wigan, yes. He was yeah, he a, had a, the second he had, he, had, he had a half solid season. Yeah. It was a like quarter. A, a quarter of a, like solid a quarter season. solid season. <laughs> Where like he went crazy for Salah. like right diet. Salah zero. <laughs> <laughs> if he was a soda. Okay. Uh let's move on to the host nation. Russia. It's their eleventh World Cup appearance. Uh their manager is Stanislav Cherchosov. Cherchosov? I, I I may butcher some of the names. Cherchosov. I think a lot of people are very low on uh, Russia going into this World Cup because as as the nature of being the host nation uh, happens, you don't really play any competitive games for the four years leading up, or two years, I guess, leading up in uh, in the cycle to that World Cup. So they've been playing friendlies. They didn't go to this last Euros. Right. They were pretty bad. Been, <laughs> no, they did go to the last Euros. They, they were a, abysmal, right? They were in a group with uh, England, Wales, and right, uh, but they were, Slovakia. They were horrible. And they, yeah. They were horrible. That's why I thought they didn't go, because they were just they were just atrocious. But but they have developed a, a good amount uh, since then. You know, the, there are a few veterans that I think need to have better performances and have let them down in the past, like the CSK Moscow players. Igor Akinfeyev, the keeper, has been their, their captain for a while now. Uh Yuri Zhirkov, the former Chelsea player, now plays at Zenit St. Petersburg. You're naming some 37- and 38-year-olds right now. These are some old guys. No, I mean, Akinfeyev is 32. Uh, Zhirkov is like 34, 35. He's, he's getting down to the end there, but he still plays consistently for the national team. Okay. They're, 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 they're next generation, namely... Uh, Gol- Golovin, that, guy's, yes. that guy was pretty good in the Arsenal. It's, in it's the, over the Arsenal center time. midfield, which is their strength, where they have the likes of Alan Jagolev, who, if he's healthy, is one of the best players in the Russian league and was a player when he was younger that was touted to be recruited to one of the to one of the, the top five leagues well, that's the in thing. the world. Golovin, he's going to be going to a big team sooner rather than later. They need that midfield to... Really cover for that back line because they have a they have some some good strikers too, right? Fyodor Smolov from Krasnodar. Don't they also know. have that. Uh, He's a FIFA favorite, former FIFA Team of the Week uh, uh, recipient on uh, they have a Andrew. The really tall. Uh, yes, former Zenit striker. He's yeah. been on loan somewhere else in Russia okay. for most of the year. More of a target man. He may play if they feel like that matchup is. Necessary, but Smolov right. is really the, the the starter, for lack of a better word, talisman. He's the he's the goal scorer. He's the one that if he's not banging in the goals this summer, they're going to struggle. 
But a big loss that they're going to suffer from is Alex Cochran, the Zenit St. Petersburg winger. Yeah. Tore his ACL in the Europa League back in March. And he, he used to be like the young hope of Russia maybe three or four years ago. But now he's just really their, their best option in terms of attacking width. And he's out of the picture. They're going to be looking to generate all their width from the likes of Yuri Zhirkov at left wing back and Mario Fernandez, their Brazilian right wing back, who is a now Russian naturalized citizen and has been playing really, really well for CSK Moscow. I actually really like Russia's chances. The host nation has only failed to uh, qualify from their group once in the past, and that was a South Africa team that was very poor uh, comparatively to this Russia team. Uh, It won't be pretty. Uh, they they open the tournament obviously. Surely Qatar, as the Qatar next year. Well, no, they're in four years right. aren't going to make it out of there. Yeah, group. exactly. That's going to be the next one. But I think Russia they 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 have Probably enough have a good talent to get out of this. And I think people will really us- underestimate how big of a a boost playing the, your tournament at home is. That yeah, that I mean, Germany Putin team might have in two thousand. All these players' heads say, "If you lose this game, never mind the players. Look at the refs. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They're like, look at the people who are going to be making the decisions when inevitably the first couple of uh, VAR decisions are made. There's going to be Russian henchmen just in the van with guns to those guys' heads. Like that was a penalty, correct? <laughs> yes, you give penalty. <laughs> uh, so I think they'll get out of the group. They are uh, they are aside. a classic World Cup side, and you know they uh, they have a lot of history in the World Cup. They they haven't had much successful history. They've been good, but they've never quite yeah. like been a favorite for the World Cup, despite having good players uh, in generations past. Let's move on real quickly. We'll just cover Saudi Arabia very quickly. It's their fifth World Cup appearance. Uh, their manager is Juan Antonio Pizzi, another uh, Argentine. They've had a bit of a turnover when it comes to managers recently in the last... Argentines coaching in the last, everywhere. Yeah, in the last like year or two, they used to have Bert van Marwijk, uh, the Dutch former Dutch coach who uh, actually got them to qualify for the tournament. He was fired after they qualified and he wanted to renegotiate his deal. And the Saudi Arabian Federation said no and just sort of let him go. They brought in another manager, uh, Edgardo Bauza. I played a couple friendlies. They looked awful in those friendlies. So they sacked him, and now they've moved on to Juan Antonio Pizzi. They've been playing friendlies since then. And he's got them more back to their attacking style that I don't think will get them anywhere close to qualifying out of this group. Frankly, I think they may lose to the likes of Uruguay and Egypt by three or four goals. It might get ugly. But I, I, I think that first game, that opening game against Russia, they're going to be on the front foot a fair bit. It could be a pretty high-scoring Affair, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was something like four-two Russia, or like just an exciting game that they they may end the World Cup appearance with no points or one point or something like that. But they will entertain in those losses. They won't just be a park the bus team that everyone just can't wait to be knocked out. Yeah, and I you know I, I don't know too much about the Saudi Arabian players, but I do know a little bit about the league, and I know that they've been putting a bit more investment into their league and you know Al Halal their their champions their you know they've been Al Ali or another t- good team Yeah Al Ali they, they have a couple decent teams over there and and they can you know they've been investing a little bit more money bringing over referees players you know one, okay, they, one they, they might gonna, have a decent showing in this I wanted to mention that they did make a deal or the the nation of Saudi Arabia made a deal with La Liga this year that uh, to broadcast La Liga games in Saudi Arabia, 
they in turn would send three or four players to La Liga sides on loan. And those three players went to Leganes, Villarreal, and Levante, and all three of them didn't play a single minute. Wow. It's that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a good deal when you consider that it brings the game to another country and everything like that, but it's a bad deal when you consider that these players weren't able to bridge the gap at all between the Saudi Arabian League and one of the best leagues in the world, Spain, you know? So, and it, it was two or three of their best players. Uh, Fahad Al-Mawalad went to Levante. He was the guy, who, he was the winger who scored the goal that qualified them for this World Cup, and he couldn't get a game at, Villa, at uh, Levante. Their captain, Osama Hausawi, He's a center back, big, burly captain uh, of Al-Hilal also, as you mentioned, the, one of the best teams in Saudi Arabia. He's going to have to really shine if they're not going to be just absolutely piped time and time again, because they truly are a very quick, pacey, uh, frenetic attacking team that just ha- is just a sieve at the back. And you know he's going to have to play out of his skin for them to have any sort of chance of scoring two and not conceding three. So the favorites for this group are obviously Uruguay. The two-time... Actually, you know what I learned in my research for today? The Uruguay actually refer to themselves as the four-time world champion because they won at the Olympics uh, twice when the Olympics was still considered the world World championship of soccer. So they are the four-time, technically, uh, champion of the world, uh, two-time World Cup winner. It's their 13th appearance. Their manager, Oscar Tabarez, returns. Do I need to mention their notable players? I, I think we can just sort of talk about the spine of this team. Start at the you back. You mention them. I mean, obviously, obviously, everybody knows Suarez and Cavani. But I was going to start at the back and work my way forward. I think sure. Because at, at the back, they have the two Atletico center backs, Diego Godin, 33 or 34 years old, one of the be- the leaders of this team. One of the best center backs in the world. And his fellow Atletico partner, Jose Maria Jimenez. Fernando Muslera in goal. Played, played, decent, decent, decent player. Yeah. Nothing special, but you know, with, with what they've got in front of him, they should be able to defend, defend pretty well. In midfield, this is where I think they've made the biggest strides. Matias Ficino. People may not think of him as sort of like a world beater, like control the midfield kind of god player but his performances at Inter Milan this year and in the last two or three seasons for Fiorentina before he got that move to Inter were were honestly they they were on my mind going into this year of I I was this is before a lot of the younger players in midfield sort of uh, announced themselves I was thinking to myself oh okay Vecino that's a step in the right direction for Uruguay because we talked about this before the pod they've always been a I don't want to say I don't want to say a uh, a dirty team. They've just been a they their midfield has usually done a bit more kicking of players than it has uh kicking of the ball and really like controlling games with their possession. And with players like Vecino, Lucas Torreira from Sampdoria, Georgian de Asqueta from Cruzeiro, they've got some very very decent center midfield options that I think you're going to see a slightly different Uruguayan team. De Asqueta was named the best non-Brazilian player in the Brazilian league last season. He's wow. 23 years old, center-attacking midfielder. Lucas Torreira, uh, if you guys aren't familiar with him, he plays at Sampdoria and a little bit more of a deep-lying player that 
is technically gifted enough to come forward and make late runs and score goals from like a little bit of deeper positions. These kind of players are really going to, I think, if they play up to their potential, they could be the players that really push this Uruguay team to maybe finish in the top four again, maybe get to the semifinals. Obviously, that will come down to the players you mentioned, Suarez and Cavani. But for those two to really succeed, they're going to need the nine players behind them to be playing out of their skin. Maybe not to get out of the group, because as we mentioned before, it's pretty clearly Uruguay and everyone else. But once they get through the later rounds, they're going to need huge performances from that midfield and that back line. Yeah, Uruguay finished second in Cobnable. They were pretty comfortable. I mean, it, they technically didn't qualify to the last to the last game, but you know they were always pretty safe in qualifying, and they have a lot of history in the World Cup. They've, like you said, they're you know two slash four time winners. They they they've got a good coach. I think that they Oscar Tabarez has been there for. A, a while. long time. <laughs> and he knows these players really well. He's got a lot of experience. Uh, you know, I think that they're going to go far. I think they're going to win this group. They're probably going to win the round after that. And, you know, they, like you said, they could definitely make a, a quarterfinal, semifinal appearance. And, you know, you never know what can happen from there. So, you from, know, I think I think, I think, I think that the, the ceiling for this team is, you know, it's probably semifinals. But... You know they're they're gonna have. I think it's gonna take it's gonna take a big team like a Spain or a Germany or a Brazil to knock them out. So, from what you've seen of them in Comet Ball, obviously as a Peru fan, you've I, I, I mean I've watched a fair bit of Comet Ball, but you've probably watched a bit, little bit more than me. How has the partnership between Suarez and Cavani uh, worked out? I know Cavani was the leading scorer for them in qualifying, but you know it's... the two didn't play that much together in qualifying. It was kind of like one or the other was playing. There was a lot of like interesting. One of them was getting hurt. Or they're going to have to play being well together. Rested. Yeah, they're going to definitely have to find a way of playing the two together, and they both kind of you, you can know, see it working. Can yeah, you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they don't they don't occupy the exact same spaces, and they don't make the same runs. You know, Cavani makes more runs. Suarez is a little bit deeper. You know, he, he likes passing the ball. He's more of a playmaker. So you know, I think those two. You know, they could be fearsome. They they they're both on decent form. You know. Throughout this whole season, they both have you know I think forty plus goals in all competitions. So, you know they're 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 both you know in in that top five top ten strikers in the world. So, yeah, and Cavani, you, you can't deny he's never been better. Yeah, you can't deny that these this team is, is going to be scary going forward, and you know nobody's going to look forward to playing them in the, in the knockout round. So, an interesting know. point that was raised on Reddit in two thousand ten, we had the hand of God part two from Luis Suarez when he saved the ball in the 93rd minute or whatever against Ghana to, to give away a penalty and then eventually force a penalty shootout. 2014, we had Dracula Part 3 from Luis Suarez where he bit Giorgio Chiellini. What, do we have, what does he have in store for 2018? You never know with Luis. He's, Is he just uh, going to score a goal and just drop Trow and just bear it all for everyone to see? Like He's just going to do something absolutely crazy. Is this like... You think this is his last World Cup? Or, no, he'll probably get one more, don't you think? He might get one more. Yeah, he's a like 35-year-old. 30, I think he's like 33. I don't think he's that old. I'm saying right now he's like 31. Oh, as a 35-year-old. Sorry, yeah. guess. He's 31 right now, but he, he's going to be you know, 35, 36 for the next World Cup. So, yeah, he might, he, might, he might still get one as a veteran. We'll see. But I think that this, uh, this group... Who do you have coming out? I mean, do like do yeah. I mean, do I four think, up to one. I think I think obviously last I'm gonna have Saudi Arabia because all respect to them. I'm like I said, they'll be entertaining, but 
Yeah, they don't they much. don't have too many players that I can see. You've got to be able to hold some up. of these teams at bay a little bit. You know, right. the, the attacking talent of Egypt and and Uruguay, you've got to be able to stop them a little bit. And between Egypt one. and Russia, it's really hard. And like you said, the host nation almost always qualifies. And you've kind of convinced me. I was going to say I thought Egypt was going to come out of this group, but you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Egypt. I'm gonna say Mohamed Salah. You know, with the form that he's been in and, you know, players like El Neni, El Mohamedi, you know, some of these other, uh, you know, experienced players that um, Stoke have, or sorry, not that Stoke, that Egypt have. Um, I was thinking of the Stoke player, uh, Ramadan Sobi. Right. Um, you know, they, they have some decent players that it really depends on how they do against Russia in that game, right? That's the... It's the second game, I think. Yeah, I was going to say something in Egypt's favor. Uh, they have to probably beat is, Russia. Well, it's going to be that their their schedule, those three games, uh, it gets easier as you go through. So they'll start with Uruguay, obviously the toughest game of their group. Then they'll play Russia, and then they'll play Saudi Arabia in the last game. Whereas Russia will start with Saudi Arabia, then play Egypt, and then play Uruguay. Now, Uruguay could have six points and could be could have the, the qualification basically wrapped up and not really need to beat Russia in the last game. But, you know, that could really work in their, against them. So I personally, I have Russia coming out of this group. And I'm not saying it's completely because of Vladimir Putin. It's going to work some magic right in the back. But, you know, if that happens, I would just sort of sit back and just say, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't the be surprised The man has poisoned either. people in other countries. But I think this Russia side is very poor. And I, okay, they're not as poor as they were two years ago at the Euros. They're not that same team. Okay, I I think personally. I think that remains to be seen. But like you said, the host nation it has there is a big boost, and it almost always, you know, ends up having a big factor that people don't don't necessarily think is going to be that big of a factor, but it is in the end. So you okay. know, very well could be. I think it's really close, but I'm going to say. Uh, Uruguay 1 and Egypt 2. And I'll say Uruguay 1 and Russia 2. Thanks for listening to the first of our eight installments of the group-by-group analysis for the Summer's World Cup. Stay tuned for Group B coming up sometime in the next few days. That will be Morocco, Iran, Portugal, and Spain. Stay tuned, and until then, fire!